Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. This morning, but profound in its consequences. I was speaking to some of you last week and on Sunday morning about Jesus washing the disciples' feet at the beginning of, or before he gave all the teaching that he did give during the Last Supper. And how, as we come into the spacious place, What Jesus effectively does is to wash our feet afresh. Jesus said to the disciples, you have already been made clean by the word that I spoke to you. And we've had a lot of word during the course of this term and the effect of the word of God is to continue that cleansing, purifying, reviving work of the spirit in our hearts and lives. So much of your life now is in God's order. You are where he wants you to be in relationship with him. But we know that although we are made perfect in that spacious place, our activities in the world day by day mean that we do get dirty feet. And therefore, whenever we come before the Lord, we need his mercy. His mercies are new every morning. And effectively, what he does for us is what he did for those disciples at the Last Supper. He humbles himself, he comes down, if you like, to our level, and he washes our feet. To me, that's just an amazing thought, privilege, the wonder of it, that the Savior of the world humbles himself before each one of us to wash our feet. Now, I believe he does that for two reasons. The first is the obvious one, to cleanse us from whatever dirt, filth, sin, failure, weakness has arisen, even though the greater part of our lives is now in God's order. He deals with whatever negative, whatever sinful things that we have said and done so that cleansed, we can stand at one with him, made holy, righteous, perfect in his sight, and therefore have fellowship with him God cannot have fellowship with sin. 
He can't even have fellowship with sinners. Fellowship means the sharing of life. He can't share his life with sinners. He can only share his life with saints. And he's made us his saints. He's made us his holy ones, the ones he has called, chosen, set apart for himself. And so he cleanses out whatever is unholy, whatever is ungodly, whatever is imperfect, so that then we can enjoy fellowship with him. If we don't let him wash our feet, then that's going to restrict or inhibit our ability to have fellowship with him in the secret place at the level in which he intends. But there's a second reason why I believe Jesus was washing the disciples' feet. Jesus, of course, was very well aware that he was fulfilling prophecy in everything that he was saying and doing. And on that last evening that he was spending with his disciples, there were a number of prophetic statements that it was important for him to fulfill so that he could then see those truths fulfilled subsequently in the lives of the disciples. And one of those truths is from Isaiah 52, where the word says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. To proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, you watchmen, lift up. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Now, you see, this is typical of good prophecy. You would expect good prophecy in Isaiah, wouldn't you? But good prophecy speaks of what shall be as if it has been. So the word says the Lord has comforted his people, although what Jesus is about to do on the cross is going to accomplish that. He has redeemed Jerusalem. That is what is about to happen. Even though it's at Jerusalem that he is falsely accused and crucified, he is actually in the process of redeeming Jerusalem, of laying bare his holy arm for what he's going to do among the nations. And all that comes out of this statement, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Now, when you go into the, the spacious place, the secret place with the Lord, you are, in effect, going up the holy mountain, meeting with the Holy One in the Holy of Holies. And uh, God draws us into that place, not just to make us like himself, 
but because his purpose is to send us as the Father sent him. So he sends us out into the world with clean feet. See, what are beautiful feet in the sight of God? Holy feet, pure feet, clean feet, because they've been washed by Jesus. And effectively, you see, what he is able to do now, because of all that he's accomplished on the cross and through the resurrection, is he washes us, not just with the water of the word, but with the living water that flows from the throne. Do you remember when the soldier pierced the side of Jesus when he was dead on the cross, just to make sure he really was dead, out of his side flowed not just blood, but blood and water. That living water uh, that flows from the throne of God. We read about a river of life that we read about in Revelation that turns everything that is dead into life. That living water was flowing out of his side together with the blood. And I, I think we can bring those two things together when we think of Jesus washing our feet. He is able to forgive us and cleanse us and make us holy and righteous and perfect in his sight because of the blood. So he takes the living water that flows from the throne of God and he washes our feet with that. He cleanses us, but he also, this is the, the cleansing that prepares us to fulfill his command. <clears throat> Remember, he was to say to the disciples, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And really, everything that was taking place between the washing of the feet and the high priestly prayer that Jesus prayed, John 17, at the end of the Last Supper, Everything in between was really a preparation, not simply for the way in which they would be able to have fellowship with him in the spirit, rather than just physically, because his presence would no longer be with them. It was also a preparation for everything that they would need when he was going to send them uh, in the same way that the Father had sent him. So all the promises of the Holy Spirit are given within that context that the Holy Spirit is not given to us just that we might have a good time spiritually, but in, or, in order to enable us to fulfill his plan and purpose in sending us with beautiful feet to proclaim the gospel in word, in deed, in love, in power. Now, in these last few days, well, let me go back for a minute the last few weeks, as I've been praying day by day, and I've spent quite a lot of time in the last weeks praying, God has given a whole series of what I can only say are amazing promises. Some of those promises are personal, what he what he was going to do in my life and through my ministry, which 
Although I shall soon be 80, is by no means at an end. I believe the most important years still lie ahead. But, but also so many promises about what he is going to do amongst us corporately, because those two things go together. He blesses each one of us within the corporate context in which we are set. All these amazing promises, he will do this, he will do that, this is going to happen, that is going to happen, he will work this in me, he will work this in us, and boom, 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 boom. It's all amazing. If I, if I was to read them all out, you would, you would be blessed, probably amazed, like I've been amazed. And when God says these things, I mean, you know it's God, because you wouldn't dream or even dare to uh, say them yourself. And then God, a few days ago, simply said to me, now turn all your hope into faith. Now hope is what lies in the future. So all, all these things that God says he will do is hope. Now faith believes what we hope for. We're sure and certain of what we hope for. But what God is saying is it's time now to take all the promises that God has given us of what he says he will do and make them present. Not future, but present. And uh, as God was, was saying this to me, I. I he always knows what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, we're coming to the end of term and it's just about to have the Christmas period when everything sort of slows down for a couple of weeks. Why are you saying this now? And I believe he's, he's saying it to us now because when we come together in January, it's not going to be for another year of hope, but a year of hope realized. A year of faith. And I believe he's saying we're to come back with that faith. Not expecting God to work it in us after we've come back, but this is what he wants to do in each one of us between now and then that all the, the promises, and it's not just what God has been saying to me, I'm sure God has been speaking to all of you in different ways, saying what he will do and what he wants to do and what you will do uh, because of what he does in you and so on. He wants all those promises which are part of our hope to become hope realized, to become faith that it's going to be the time when we will see the outworking of all these things that he has been saying. Because promises always remain in the future while they remain promises. And God's purpose is for those promises to be realized, to be put into effect, to be fulfilled. So I believe he's saying that next year is going to be a time of fulfilled promises, of hope realized. 
that hope will be turned into faith. And God, you see, in his wisdom, he's, he's, I mean, some of you, this is just coming to the end of your first term here. God has done an immense amount in you already to bring you to the place where you are now spiritually, where he's actually given you hope. Uh, some of you will already have an entirely different perspective on your life than when you uh, came here a few weeks ago. Uh, and even though you may not know in detail how God is going to use you in the future, there is this increasing sense that builds up within you that God does have a plan and purpose for your life, and he is going to use you in some effective way to bear fruit for his glory and for the good of his kingdom. So, as you come into as you come into the spacious place, as you every day allow Jesus to wash your feet, I believe he's saying, just remember on every occasion why I'm doing it. Not only to cleanse you, but to give you beautiful feet that are going to be effective in taking the gospel into the world. And it is this scripture that Paul quotes in um, chapter 10 of Romans. He says, talking about the lost, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. A direct quote from that Isaiah prophecy. So, <clears throat> you have beautiful feet. That's what God is saying, not just clean feet, but beautiful feet. And the purpose of feet is to walk. So you walk with the Lord in that purity and cleanliness, that godliness that he enables through the washing with the water of life, appropriating all that he has done through the shedding of his blood, enabling you to abide in him and he in you, enabling you to have that relationship of love that as the Father has loved Jesus, so he has loved you. So you're able to abide, to live continually in that love, whereby you see all the fulfillment of what God promised through the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see in this place where God is able to answer all the wonderful prayer promises that if you ask anything in his name, he will do it. That in this place, the Father and the Son come and make their home with you. Why? Well, as we've seen uh, in the presentation that I gave a few weeks ago and repeated on Sunday, it's so that everything that we have in the spacious place is taken out into the world. 
And what God is really wanting us to understand is that what he does in the spacious place, in the secret place, in this place of his heavenly presence that we can enjoy every day, whether we feel that or not, is totally irrelevant. I want to underline that. I mean, I spend time every day uh, in that spacious place, but I don't always feel the presence of the Lord. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, but it's totally irrelevant. I don't even try to feel the presence of the Lord because I know I'm in his presence. I know he's there. I know he's with me. I know he's in me. I know I'm in him. I don't have to feel his presence to know that. My, my faith is not dependent upon an experience of God. My faith is in God, Amen. not in some experience or emotional feeling. So, you know, we have that, that unity uh, with him in, in that place. But what he does there is to reproduce his character in us. And you see, as, we, as he sends us out into the world, he sends us out in the same way that he sent Jesus. He sends us out as, as the body of Jesus Christ. He sends us out as those who are living in him and in whom he lives. So he sends us out with the character of Christ. What matters to God more than anything else in your life is that he reproduces the character of Jesus in you. God is more concerned about that than anything, even than the fruitfulness, because he knows that the more he reproduces his character in you, the more lasting fruit you will produce. And that's why the Holy Spirit lives within you. The Holy Spirit lives within you to reproduce the character of Jesus in you. This is why Paul says the secret is this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The secret isn't you, or it isn't you and Christ. The secret is Christ in you, the character of Christ, the nature of Christ, that the Holy Spirit is forming and reproducing in you. Paul uses this phrase that God's purpose is to form Christ in us and that actually others are jealous of the way they see Christ being formed in us. So the washing of the feet is all part of the process that then follows where God increasingly reproduces his character to transform us into his likeness with ever-increasing glory by the power of, of the Holy Spirit. So what he cleanses us of as he washes our feet is those things in our lives that do not reflect his character. You see, the problem with sin is that sin does not reflect the character of Jesus. Holiness, righteousness, loving obedience, submission from a humble heart, all those things reflect the character of Jesus. Love, joy, peace, mercy, graciousness, goodness, all the qualities of the Holy Spirit, they are all qualities of the character of Jesus. And so he's reproducing those things in us. 
He's constantly cleansing us of the things that are a denial of his character. And of course, the more that cleansing takes place, the less likely we are to do things or to make decisions that are out of line, out of sync, really, with his character. The more that character is actually imparted to us, is worked within us, then the more we think like Jesus, we speak like Jesus, we act like Jesus, we make the same decisions that Jesus would make. And the importance of that is, you see, Jesus is saying to the disciples at the Last Supper, so far you haven't asked anything in my name, but now, from now on, you're going to ask in my name, and whatever you ask in my name, the Father will do. But you see, to ask in the name of Jesus is to ask in the person of Jesus, is to ask not only in faith in Jesus, but it's to ask in the character of Jesus. It's to pray what Jesus would pray with the expectation that Jesus would have as to what is going to happen in response to that prayer. All this, you see, all of this is there in this amazing revelation that Jesus gives to the disciples at the Last Supper. It's all there within those chapters 13 through 16 and then uh, the high priestly prayer in John 17. It's all there. When, when the, the problem sometimes is that we read a few verses. I, I've, I've made it the habit every now and again to read aloud those chapters 13 to 16 and then the prayer of Jesus 17, just, just when I'm on my own. Every now and again, I will read the whole thing in one go. I mean, there, there's so much truth. You can understand why we look at it in bits and pieces and unpack it and understand what he's saying. But we also need that overview. We need the impact of the whole thing that Jesus was doing in the lives of, of the disciples at that time. I just suggest that every now and again you do that. Uh, I always do it in Holy Week leading up to, uh, Christ, leading up to Easter. Um, I like to spend time with Jesus at the Last Supper. But I think the important thing that God wants us to understand now is that this is his whole purpose for us, that we then go and bear fruit in the world in whatever way God calls us to do that, for the glory, honor, and praise of his name. But you see, as with Jesus, he spent time apart with his Father because he knew he couldn't do anything himself. Right in the middle of all this great revelation of what Jesus is saying to the disciples at the Last Supper, he says, and apart from me, you can do nothing. Everything that is going to be fruitful and effective is going to come out of what the Holy Spirit does in you as he reproduces the character and the activity of Jesus. His life, his love, his power, his authority. Everything that is going to be fruitful for the kingdom of God is going to come out of what the Spirit does in you to actually form the nature, the character of Christ in you. You have him in you already in all his perfection, but what you have in the Spirit 
then impacts your soul, your natural life. And it's your soulish life, your natural life, that is being transformed into the likeness of who and what you have in your spirit. So, praise God. We're going to have a wonderful time next year. But even between now, you see, and when we come together at the beginning of next term, and the team, when, it, when we come back together after the Christmas break, what God does in us in this time is going to be significant. I don't believe God wants us to switch off because it's Christmas. I mean, Christmas is a time to switch on. I've always, always, for as long as I can remember, prayed at Christmas time, Lord, birth something new in me. It's not just a remembrance of his birth, but I want you to birth something new in me uh, that is going to take me further into your plans and purposes. And I believe, you see, that what God wants to birth in us over this period of time, not just in a single uh, experience or event, but over this period of time, I believe God wants to birth this faith that turns our hope into practice. So all these things for which we have hoped, all these promises that God has been giving, about what he will do, multiplication, harvest, abundance, whatever that means for each one of us personally, whatever it means for us corporately, that these things are going to become reality because we believe that they're not in the future, we believe they're for now. You see, that's the difference. You can hear a promise and say, okay, Lord, I believe that you will do that. To which God says, well, do you believe me to do it now? Do you believe that you receive what I'm talking about now? Do you believe that you will see my spirit move in the way in which I've been promising now? This word now is so important when it comes to faith. Faith says it will be. Uh, hope says it will be. Faith says we have now all that he has given. And we live now in the good of all that he has given and all that he has done for us. So that all the promises become realized. Now. So my prayer is that God works that faith in me and in you. I, I know he's begun the process already in me. I wasn't involved in the freedom weekend, but I set that time apart, uh, much of it praying, and this is what God was saying to me in that time, and, and I was beginning to appropriate it. So um, several of, of the promises that... God was saying what he will do have now been realized and become a reality because that's what happens in prayer. It starts in prayer because, you know, Jesus knew that. He, he, um, 
Well, if you just take, if you just take for example, because he, he would always draw aside, wouldn't he, to, to spend time with the Father. But I think the classic example is when he raised Lazarus. And he stood before the tomb of Lazarus and he, he raised his hands and his eyes to heaven. Uh, and he looked up, you see, he didn't look down, he looked up. I, I just don't like it when people say, let's bow our heads in prayer. I always want to say, no, let us lift our heads in prayer because we're expectant, amen? Uh, and Jesus was expectant. But what he prayed was, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I know that you have always heard me. Uh, and when I was a young believer, that's, I think that's the first thing God taught me about prayer. Always pray like Jesus prayed. Father, I thank you that you've heard me and I know that you'll always hear me. So if we know that he hears us, we know that we have received from him whatever we ask. Amen. <clears throat> so I believe God wants to do a number on us. Thank God for the faith that he's already worked in you. And thank God that what he's going to work in you in these coming weeks, this isn't sort of, ah, oh, end of time, end of term, switch off. Ah, yeah. oh, Christmas break, switch off. You can switch off the intensity of whatever it is you do normally, but you can't switch off from Jesus. And uh, during this period of time, in your own time with the Lord in the spacious place, just realize that his purpose is to turn your hope into faith. So you will come back, we will all come together uh, in January with tremendous expectation of what he will do then. And we will see, you will see, that it won't be dependent upon how I lead you during that first week of term but it will all be dependent completely on what the Lord is doing in us and among us for his glory. So let's all stand. And I just want you to thank the Lord for clean and beautiful feet that he's given you clean and beautiful feet hallelujah hallelujah that God's purpose for you is to bring good news. To proclaim the gospel, not only in word, but in deed. By revealing more of the character of Christ in you. To proclaim peace. To bring peace into people's lives where there's confusion, where there's anxiety, fear, to bring good tidings that there's forgiveness, freedom from guilt, freedom from condemnation, 
to proclaim salvation. Hallelujah. You know, we want to keep running out of these little books, how to know Jesus, because we're just passing so many of them around in these coming weeks and months. Who say to Zion, who say to those who are already the Lord's, your God reigns. Hallelujah. To realize that with beautiful feet, God has made you a watchman. The word says, listen, you watchmen, lift up, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. I've been saying for weeks, you know, God wants to release more joy amongst us. I'm sure there's much joy in our hearts, but he wants much more of that joy to be released in us and among us. We're going to rejoice so much when we see what God does as our hope turns to faith, as we see promises of God realized in the way that he desires. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Burst into songs of joy together. Yes. The Lord has comforted his people, and the word of God says that he comforts us, that we might then comfort others with the same comfort with which he has comforted us. To comfort is to give strength to, to come alongside you, to be with you, to give you his strength. That's what the word means. Oh, hallelujah. So let's thank God for his comfort. Amen. And thank God that he's going to use you, not just next year, you know, but in the years ahead. He's going to use you to comfort his people. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem, Isaiah 40. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray to be comforters. That we will comfort others with the same comfort with which he's comforted us. That same mercy, oh, hallelujah. We will be merciful in the same way that God has been so merciful to us. And thank the Lord that as he comforts you, so he's transforming you more into the likeness of Jesus. His character, his character, the fullness of his life, the fullness of his character being increasingly reproduced in you. Come on, thank him for that. That this becomes, this becomes a present reality that you are more and more like Jesus. Every time he washes your feet, hallelujah. Every time he cleanses, every time he makes your feet beautiful, you're going to become more and more and more like him. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. And he says in this prophecy that he will lay bare his holy arm. That means he's going to extend his power among his people. 
He's going to show, he's going to prove that his holiness is greater than the unholiness of the world, that his power is greater than anything that can come against the will and the purpose of God. You're going to see the power of God in your life. Now, that as a hope needs to become faith, right? So that's a now thing. You don't have to wait till January. Come back with some testimonies of how you've seen the power of God working during the break. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes, 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 yes. It's just by the time we come back together, we're going to be in the full flow of this. We're not expecting something to happen when we come back. We're expecting things to happen before we come back. So we come back in that place of faith. We come back with all the encouragement of the way we've seen him comforting people, moving in their lives through his power, even bringing salvation into people's lives. Hallelujah. Christmas Day is a great day to see people born again. I mean, every day is a great day to see people come. But why not on Christmas Day? I love to see people being born again on Christmas Day. Praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Now the words that continue in this prophecy say, Depart, depart, go out from there, touch no unclean thing, come out from it and be pure, you who carry the vessels of the Lord. You know, we are consecrated to the Lord, aren't we? Amen. We don't belong to the world. We're not going to go into a time of worldliness in between term times or over the Christmas period. Amen. No, 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 no. We're not going to get sucked in to what the world is, is going to be up to because we're going to have impact on the world. And worldliness can't impact worldliness. Amen. So let's thank God that we are sanctified, consecrated to the Lord, set apart for his plans and purposes. Hallelujah. That's a joyful thing. It's not a sad thing. It's not a heavy thing. It's a joyful thing. Thank you, Jesus. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We love the world, but we don't love worldliness. We love the people in the world, but we don't love worldliness. Praise your holy name. Bless your holy name. Pura la basundaria leto golazotari sandama. 
Brandaria leto golosotori sandaria leno masotori santum. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Porola basotori sandaria leno. Let's have some musicians up because we're going to need some. We're going to need some praise in a minute. Opa parazotori sandaria leto golosotori. Oh. Now just just thank the Lord. Thank the Lord that you have clean feet. Come on. Clean feet. Not just cleansed of sin, but beautiful feet. Clean and beautiful feet. Praise God. This is not the future, this is now. Right? This is now. You're going to take those beautiful feet wherever you go to over the Christmas period. Amen. Those beautiful feet are going to take the gospel. They're going to take the life. They're going to take the character of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Oh, and just remember, your God reigns. But he reigns in you and he reigns through you. Praise God. Come on, let's just lift our voices, begin to worship him. Let's begin to praise him. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Korala basotori sandaria leto golazotori sandaria. Balataria leto golazotori sandaria leno masotori sandaria. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Korotobaria leto golazotori sandaria leto golazotori sandaria. Hallelujah. <laughs> Ora la Maria Leno Massan. Ora la Maria Leno Massina la Santa. Ora la Leno Massan. Ora la Maria Leno Massina la. Ora la Maria Leno Massan. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Ora la Maria Leno Massa, la Maria Leno Massa. Ora la Maria Leno Massa, la Maria Leno Massa. Ora la Maria Leno Massa, la Maria Leno Massa. Ora la Maria Leno Massa. Ora la Maria Leno Massa, la Rana Massa. Ora la Maria Leno Massanto, papà papà Rasino. Alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia. Ora la Maria Leno Massanto. Ora la Maria Leno Massino. Ora la Maria Leno Massanto, papà papà Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Salamari Eleno Masanto, Ora la Mari Eleno Masinoma, Cura la Masandoma. Lord, you are the author and perfecter of our faith. You work faith in us through your word and by your spirit. And Lord, we pray this morning that you turn our hope into faith, that we enter into the realization of the things that you have been promising. And we thank you, Lord, that there's no way we can do that in and of ourselves, but only by your Spirit. So we thank you for the anointing of your Spirit upon each one of us. We thank you, Lord, for the way in which you are going to lead us and work within us by the power of your Spirit, that the Spirit of faith will be operating within us. And that therefore, Lord, our speech will change that with the same spirit of faith, we believe and therefore speak, as your word says, that we will be speaking in the present rather than the future, be able, being able to proclaim what you are doing in the now rather than only what you are promising in the future. We thank you for all that you are already doing we thank you, Lord, for the weeks of great blessing that we have received during this term. Thank you for all that you were doing last week in, in the Freedom Encounter. We praise you, Lord, that many people were then having a bath, as I explained on Sunday, but now they just need their feet washed every day just to keep in that place of freedom. And Lord, we want to keep in the place of freedom. Amen. Thank you, Lord, that as we, as we walk in freedom in our relationship with you, as, as we go out into the world in whatever way you, you lead us to do that, we go out in freedom and in confidence. Praise God. Knowing that we have the anointing, knowing that we have your authority and power, that because you send us, as you sent those first disciples, we go with your authority, we go in your name, we go in your power, and we don't go alone, you go in us, 
you go with us and we are in you as we go and do whatever we're doing wherever we do it so we praise you come on let's praise him praise you jesus praise you jesus Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Cora la maria lena massa la maria la massante. Coraria lena massa la maria lena massina ma. Come on, I think we can lift the roof this morning. Oh, hallelujah. Cora la maria lena massa la Jesus, 
the anointing of the Holy One that teaches us all things. So we can walk in the light as the children of light. Loving you with all our heart, mind, soul, strength. Our minds being renewed so we know the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. Trusting in you with all of our hearts and not in our own understanding. And thank you that you will fulfill your promise. You will continue to make yourself known among us. what you have said that you will do what you have promised that you will bring about and we praise your holy name we bless your holy name thank you Jesus we are who we are amen in Christ with Christ in us. We are your holy children upon whom you have lavished your love and your grace. We praise your wonderful and your holy name. Come on, let's have a shout of praise to thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now just turn to three or four others and say, you have clean and beautiful feet and so do I. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com. 